the property pod 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 welcome to the property pod with moneyweb the property sector is an ever changing sector and in this podcast series your host suren naidu chats to movers and shakers in the property industry hello and welcome to the property pod south africa's premier property investor podcast it's tourism month in south africa so we're talking tourism on the podcast and to leaders in the tourism and hospitality industry my name is suren naidu and on this weekly podcast we gain insider insights from leading property industry ceos directors and less developers and entrepreneurs our guest on the pod this week is majaji ramawela a tourism industry stalwart who has been in the sector since before 2000 believe it or not starting off her career at Sandparks Ramawela is also the former CEO of the Tourism Business Council of South Africa or TBCSA a position she held for over a decade in the heydays many would argue the time that South Africa hosted the World Cup She is here to tell us about what she's up to these days but also to share her insights on the tourism industry in South Africa and on the African continent. Majaji, welcome to the Property Pod. Well, thank you so much, Soren, and it's good to see you again. It's good to be here. Thanks again. You have been in the tourism industry for over two decades, as I mentioned earlier, most notably the Tourism Business Council of South Africa between 2006 and around 2018 a crucial time for South Africa what have you been up to since then since leaving the council well i think uh, i think the first year you know which was like towards the end of 2018 um i took time to just relax but also i had to deal with certain issues of me leaving the tbcsa so that really took care of uh, 2018 and then of course uh, i was studying as, as well at that time when i was uh, ceo of the tourism business council of south africa i was uh, doing my masters uh, with the university of johannesburg in leadership uh, in emerging economies so so pretty much the better part of 2018 was to finish up my dissertation and for also to do uh, to graduate and then on to 2019 was actually the first year when You know, for the first time in a long time, because you know, I started working when I was 19 years old, so it was the first time that I really could like sit down and say, take a deep breath and say, okay, now you know where have you come from, and uh, what have you learned in life, and frankly, just relax a little bit. So there was that like a sabbatical or career break. Something you can call it something like that. Just to look around you and you know take stock of what's going on in your life and you know the industry you've been at and what else is happening around you in South Africa in particular. And it didn't take me long. And I think the academic bug uh, bit me as well. Part of it is because I had uh, promised my mom, my late mom, that I will really continue my studies and you know get an, a PhD. And so that's what happens in 2020. I you know I registered for a PhD uh, with the University of Pretoria. And I was taking a chance because I didn't think it was going to happen and uh, I was too bruised from my studies and I thought, well, do I want to do a PhD? You know, it's hard. But then I thought um, I'm not in a hurry to get up back into work. Let me get started. If I get to work, I can always extend and take my time. So that's what I did. and uh but in between part of the thing that got me going is that i was serving different um, organizations as director and so i was busy as well and you know keep myself uh, busy with what's going on in the industry and so i have 
you can say I've never left the industry, but I was in the background mm. and spending a lot of time in the hospitality and the hotel space, uh, getting involved with, um, you know, hotels that went into distress uh, because of COVID-19. And so I learned a lot mm. uh, in that space. Uh, and for me, it was a continuation of the work that I did uh, with the Hotel Investment Conference Africa. Mm. So I really got into the nuts of what it takes to run a hotel and, you know, behind the kind of scenes mm. uh, enough that uh, one can share with potential investors and promoters information, the pertinent information, if you want to get in that space, what are the do's and the don'ts. So that's what I've been doing. And um, I've also been lecturing as well, you know. Um, lecturing tourism? Uh, lecturing or? hospitality. Okay. Doing online lectures uh, internationally. They're not uh, distributed in South Africa. It's internationally. And this is all the, um, you know, all the networks that I've had in the past. And it's been exciting. So I, really, you can say I've been doing this and that, uh, but keep me occupied and very interested and invested in the, in the industry. What would you say, what's your, your view on the state of tourism in South Africa at the moment? Maybe you can speak a little bit more frankly these days. Not that you weren't frank during the TBCSA days, but, uh, you know, when you're not involved directly in the industry, perhaps you can have a outside view of things, uh, especially considering post-COVID, not to go back on, on the impact of COVID as it were, but where South African the industry is at the moment. I think I will share it both from my own perspective as I see things from, from the distant because I'm not actively involved, but also, um, you know, sentiments expressed by various people that one come, comes across. I think the first thing one want to say is, you know, the effect, the effect of COVID-19 on our industry and, and our country. Uh, not that we are alone. Um, we're not the only one in, in the effect of COVID-19, what the damage that it has done. Mm. And, you know, as much as we lament about the damage, but also for me, uh, the positives of COVID are numerous as well. And I don't know whether we talk enough about them. The positives of COVID? Oh, yes. I tell you what. Um, you know, I know in the longest time, and I remember in my days when I was in KwaZulu-Natal, one of the, the, the difficulties uh, we used to have as promoters, destination marketing uh, people, we struggled with convincing the industry to take domestic tourists seriously. You know, every time I remember, Soren, if, when I go on radio for interviews about tourism, the first thing, the minute the, the, the broadcaster opens up lines for people to call, the first thing you will hear, I, I promise you, almost 80 to 90% of the complaints is how expensive it is to travel for South Africans in the country. And that's one of the positive of COVID because for the first time, the industry was forced okay. to cater for the domestic tourist. It didn't matter who you were. Five-star lodges, anybody who was buzzing through during COVID, it's because the domestic, because no one was traveling, remember. Hmm. The airlines were shut. And uh, so anybody who has survived, I have not done my studies on it, but anybody who survived the COVID-19, they literally turn their attention to the domestic tourist. And so even when you're walking around, you speak to people, they will say, oh my goodness, suddenly all these things that were reserved for the international tourists, we've got access to them. So let's use this moment. And it was a lot more reasonable for oh, South absolutely. Africans. Absolutely, it was very much affordable. Mm. And it's not even about when you arrived in these spaces, you were, you were being attended to. Yeah, yeah. It's it, you are being attended to because you are a guest, and 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 this is the thing uh, that um, domestic tourism suddenly, and I hope it stays, suddenly became important. People, the business people realize that is it's not an, it's not either or. 
mm. you have to cater for uh, for for all this kind of tourists because it keeps your business in, if anything it keeps your business uh, running throughout the year so mm. you don't even have a time when you say i've got a down season you know that that you you know when the international market dries up um you know you then have your own domestic to take care of it mm. and it also gives us an opportunity to, to really fine tune our offering Mm. Uh, you look at the domestic tourists almost like as a test ground for what it is you want to present to the international uh, community. So, so that for me is a major uh, positive for, for what COVID did for us. But the, another positive terrain is also uh, other segments uh, that may never have flourished uh, during you know the heydays because I mean 2019 was literally one of the highest pop points. Uh, 2019-2020, when you look at the figures, we were really doing very well, mm. not only South Africa. So other segments, especially in the accommodation sector, came in. You know, we we are now talking about alternative accommodation beyond Airbnb. Those segments really flourished uh, during COVID-19, and and are now literally soaring. Uh, because they were driven by the remote workers and the digital migrants. And as you can see, a lot of people have not returned back to office. They, mm-hmm. they, they found that actually they can do the hybrid quick setup. And, and you have a, a growing number of workers who uh, use the concept of work from anywhere. And that is driving a new segment in the accommodation sector, okay. uh, which, as I shared with you earlier on, I was fortunate to, to cover uh, at the Africa Hotel Investment Conference in Nairobi, mm. where we, we were, you know, we were, it's a conference where uh, developers and hotelers come together. They discuss uh, what are the trends for Africa's uh, hospitality development mm. and therefore what are the new opportunities for investors. And so we were then able to talk about this alternative that you don't actually have to go and open a hotel alone. There are other opportunities for you as an investor to get into. So the digital um, workers and remote workers are driving uh, what we call your your co-living and apartment hotels as you know Mm. uh, across um, you know uh, most part of the world including in Africa and South Africa being one of the leaders in that sector. Well you've moved ahead to one of my questions on that um, your panel session at that conference in Nairobi just uh, to go back just your sense overall because you were talking business but is uh, Tourism in South Africa on the right track. Obviously, there has been some issues. I'm not going to ask you about sponsorship debacles and that sort of thing because that's not happening anymore. But, uh, you know, are we on the right track? Uh, You know, there's some areas that are doing well, but also tourism is also not controlled. You know, sometimes we get caught up about, you know, government controlling tourism. And, you know, tourism will happen even if there wasn't government, I could argue. Look, I think for me, tourism at the moment in the country, it's, I think for me what, I, what I'd be more is the leadership issues. Uh, because in anything that has not been led, mm. um, you know, you get things to go in a disarray. Mm. So for me, what I find very difficult to swallow is the, the leadership across. Mm. Uh, but more so in government, because remember the the, the tourism uh, policy or um, legislation in this country says tourism is government-led private sector driven, uh, labor dependent and community based. So if the top, which is what's happening, so we have had instability in government mm. and, 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 and I think being the leader uh, of society, uh, which we know it's what our, lead, uh, our government says, that the leader of society, if society has not been led at all, everybody has falls off. So for me, that's, that's what I saw, the, those instabilities mm. in the, some of these major role players, whether it's from government itself, pure within the agencies and all the supporting. I mean, you, you, you really, we don't have to mention. Mm. Uh, and it's really been uh, that 
leadership like it's been across all the major segments that drive tourism. It's been in the transport sector. Uh, we don't have to mention who. Uh, it's been in, in, in the policy space we know, that's strictly government. It's been in the destination marketing space across. You know, if there's any people that have been in leadership space, it's been people acting. Mm. Yeah, and you know, you know, it doesn't give people confidence when you're speaking to an acting this and acting that. You, the, the trade doesn't take you seriously mm. uh, because they don't know what it is you're telling them is going to stand once you are off uh, from that position. So for me, that's been one of the major issues. But I think the other thing, Soren, was also for me the setback on transformation in our industry. Okay. And and again. Uh, you know, for the longest time, I've always said, for me, sometimes we as South Africans have a very bad, uh, in my opinion, humble opinion, that we have a very misconstrued uh, conception of what transformation means. For me, personal transformation doesn't mean taking Robin Peter to people. Transformation is about uh, making the cake bigger. Uh, mm-hmm. Because when the cake is bigger, then everybody can have a share without anybody feeling that I've lost out. And tourism is the greatest, and I've always believed that, and I'll, I'll always believe that. Tourism has got the greatest potential to grow itself, to grow the cake, and mm. have everyone play a role. Communities to have a stake in it, mm. and, and the whole issue of beneficiation. Uh, for me, it, it just it, it has taken a back seat. Maybe, I don't know, maybe some great work is going on in certain spaces. I don't see much of that. Mm. So it's almost like we've regressed. You know, you, I look at some of the small uh, small enterprises that, uh, you know, we were involved in back in 2000 when the ITEA program started. Some of them are no longer in tourism at all. And for me, I will not have no issue if people are out of tourism because, um, you know, they've found other greener pastures in other sectors. Mm. But it should be sad day when they are not in the industry anymore because they were, they were kicked out. The system kicked it themselves mm-hmm. out because if the system is very much about uh, let's keep it for ourselves mm-hmm. and let's pro- let's make it a funnel that there's just few that enters at the top of the funnel and then we distribute among ourselves, which is how tourism is. The tourism industry in this country has always been like that. You know, we restrict the entrance. We restrict the way South Africa is marketed internationally, that South Africa is marketed as a high-end destination. Indeed, we are a high-end destination, but we are a destination for everybody. Mm. You know, I mean, I was talking to you before we came here that I happened to attend one of the diplomatic functions in Pretoria. And this sentiment was expressed. Uh, as, you know, I remember speaking to a few uh, diplomats from some of the countries that are represented here. And they say the same sentiment. You guys in South Africa present your country as a very high-end and expensive destination. Yet, it is not expensive. It's got everything. Whether you are a five-star person, whether you're a one-star, two-star person, there's something for you in South Africa. Mm. We don't present that image. And for me, that has always been a problem. And I think we need to address that um, without taking anything from anybody. Mm. There is space for high end because uh, that's what it's all about. You know, but there's something, there's something uh, at the middle of the road. There's something at the two-star market. We have everything as a destination. And if we begin to market the country, we really can flood mm. South Africa and so that everybody has something in it. Uh, but we are a long-haul destination. I'm also thinking about what you said about the opportunity that came out of COVID. But are, is the industry going to forget about domestic tourists? Because it almost seems like uh, it's back to normal. It's so expensive to travel to Cape Town. Yes, the likes of Komi are no longer in business. But it's becoming expensive again for South Africans to travel, even despite initiatives like uh, Africa Travel Week. Or uh, Absolutely. I think this is a sad thing. So I don't know for sure. If uh, and it will be sad if indeed the industry has just gone back. It was like a makeshift, you know, take care of us now that we're in trouble, we're getting back there. I don't have any evidence that says this is what's happening because I think uh, people should actually hone in on that and hold on to it and literally say, 
you know, we we have to cater for both markets. We we the domestic market and and the international market. But also op- opening opportunities like lodges and game game reserves. It's not easily accessible for ordinary South Africans. Yeah. If yeah. you're middle class and you have a higher income, you probably can go to those places. But uh, you know, the 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 large majority of South Africa might only be have an opportunity to go to the beach and not enjoy those other tourism way that we can unlock some of that. But a contrary, I think for me, and I, I've held this view then and, and, and I'm still holding the view. I think for me, the South Africa has an issue of information gaps. For me, it's, a, it's an issue of information uh, that uh, it's not been made available to everybody. Because that's what you just said at the moment. It really, and this is what I was saying to this diplomat yesterday. I said, and he was—he actually confirmed it to me. And he says, once you are in the country, you know, and you have the access to all the channels, and uh, you can actually see that you can—you don't have to have so much money to be able to travel in South Africa. And so that's true. So we need to address the information gap inside. I don't know how we're going to do that. And maybe this is where the opportunity of for technology comes in. You know, earlier on you were mentioning my days when I was at, at TBCSA. Uh, there was a talk uh, when we were talking about the deregulation of broadcasting in South Africa, that there has to be a, a, a tourism uh, channel, you know, that can go onto SABC channel or something, or we're free to air channel, that can really air these free things, uh, these opportunities, because mm. that's how we can get the information to people to know that really it's not that expensive for you to travel to South Africa. But one of the things I want to address is a question we raised earlier on about flights that we are a long-haul destination and the cost. Indeed, what has happened with COVID, and it's not unique to South Africa, uh, is that uh, it has become very expensive uh, to run some of these major operations like airline. Mm. Uh, because an airline business is a very expensive business to run. So it, it, uh, it, we are not the only ones who are affected. And so it's now expensive to go to Durban or to go to Cape Town simply because we have less capacity. But I think if we can have more capacity coming in, you know, I think those numbers will come down. But it, as you know, so it's also an effect of, uh, it's, a, it's a result of something else. Yes. You know, the oil prices going up, you know, if your currency depreciates as well, it all comes into the picture. So it's not a very simple thing of capacity because there are no airlines coming in and, you know, South Africans are poor. It's the currency is an issue. It's expensive to run an airline. The oil prices are very expensive. So we really... There are those macroeconomic issues that need to be addressed so that it becomes viable to run an airline mm. and so that we can begin to get a lot of South Africans to travel. Because even the, the buses, it's, it's not cheap. And um, some of the major bus groups closed down post-COVID. Absolutely. So this is what it's all about. So it's a whole lot of other things. that, And, you know, sorry, it brings that other issue that says a lot of the things that happens in tourism, it's not tourism doing. It's things coming from other spaces that affect our industry. Mm. You know, in the same way that tourism, when good happens in tourism, it affects other industries and the economy side. And that's a multiplier effect mm. of tourism. And this is why some of us who are advocates of tourism, we always say this is an industry to be supported. Because when it's all going well for tourism, the rest of the economy benefits. Mm. But if it's also not going well in the rest of the economy, the rest of the economy suffers. Mm. You know, it's, it's that effect that we, we, we somehow need to, to address some of these things here. Because when it's all going very well, tourism thrives, people travel. We become a viable destination to travel. Our people have money to spend, and so the economy begins to grow. And the issue of crime—it's a perennial issue. Oh yes. People tend to link it to tourism, but South Africa is relatively safe for for tourists. You will get, you know, the odd incident, but uh, it's unfortunate. South Africans are unsafe in their country more than tourists. One could argue. Absolutely. You know, it's actually again. I go back to um, my discussion with this diplomat. He was saying. And, and this is what the sentiment I've picked up with a lot of people, and I've always had this for myself, that I think, and it's probably the result of our history, 
uh, some of us in society in South Africa, uh, we have not been exposed to the true nature of what it means to live in South Africa. Uh, the crime, um, you know, some people are seeing it for the first time. They're like shocked. Uh, what do some people say? Oh, yeah, well, you know what? This is how it is. You know, frankly, it's actually better now. You know, so South Africa has got those issues that you have certain segment of our society that has not seen this level of crime and they think, oh, my goodness, this is the end of the world. Yeah. And the other people say, listen, actually, you know what? It is better than where we come from. And why I say that? Because these two things affect the sentiment, the narratives. Yes. That South Africa is the crime capital of the world. Let me tell you one thing. If you have traveled the world, and I've always had this thing that if you, if I could win the lotto, I would want to sponsor a couple <laughs> of South Africans to travel the world, to really go and experience what it is to be in other places. But what I've just said doesn't excuse the fact that we need to clean our own house. Let's yeah. fix it. doesn't matter if this crime is better, it's worse than somewhere else, or it's worse than our place. We need to fix our, our, our South Africa. And But what we have to be realistic about is that the issues of crime, uh, it's not easy. It's not overnight things. There's a whole lot of things that affects the, uh, uh, some of the issues that drives crime in our country. And a lot of it, people tend to say, oh, yeah, everything is blame on apartheid. Hell, everything has to be blamed on apartheid. Because you know what? A lot of bad happened to a lot of people in apartheid. And so those post-traumatic stresses, all those guys are coming to play. And, and it's going to take time to settle. And, but we also, equally as South Africans, need to know that there's certain things we need to do to make sure we make the, the environment for, for crime and all the illicit things to happen to go away. Mm. Issues like inequalities, we need to address those things. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the, the wages, the uh, disparity of wages. Yeah? You, know, you know, I always shared with you this thing that says, I, I would want to have a, dis, a, a conversation with economists that sometimes they need to be very honest and be very explicit uh, about when they talk about um, the productivity, for instance the productivity of South Africa. They always blame the workers to say the worker productivity level in South Africa is the lowest in the world. But they're actually not talking about the fact that the productivity level of the worker is dictated by the boss. So can we look at the boss productivity level? Because really, the productivity level of some of the senior people in this country is very low. And it actually is trickled down all the way to the bottom. You cannot outperform what your boss is expecting you to do. Mm. So I have not done research on it, uh, you know, but I think there is an aspect that we need to, so that we become open about what kind of a society we want to, but so we address things where the problems are. Let's not begin to shift the blame to somebody else. So it all comes down into our industry as well in tourism, where sometimes think we need to train people to be hospital, whatever. One of the things, even if you ask South African tourism, that has been said about South Africa, the one thing they always tell you is the friendliness of South Africa's people. So how can you be friendly and still be, deliver a bad service? <laughs> There's a disjunct at some point. So they always say, you know, I, I remember one gentleman saying when he went past uh, immigration, he was drawn to the to be close to the bathroom because he was listening to someone singing in the bathroom. When he got it, it was a lady actually. She said she, when she got it, there was a lady who was cleaning. She was singing, humming the song, and she looked at it and she said, "You don't sing when you are sad. You don't sing if you you, you you're not happy in your heart." And so that's our people. Mm. And we now need to bring everything that comes in because that's at the center of being human, being able to deliver the kind of hospitality service uh, that we can deliver to the world. So crime is an issue, but let's address the root causes of, of crime in this country mm. so that we can be the destination, that uh, the potential that we have. Majaji, um, turning to something different now, uh, I understand you're doing your doctorate uh, what is it on? I, I suspect it's on tourism. Maybe you want to share a little <laughs> bit about that uh, before we conclude. Yes, it's uh, tourism. You can say it's tourism, but it's in business management. And the topic is around, um, I was looking at what are the ethics around uh, local government management 
and uh, the what we call platform-based uh, accommodation sector. So that's what the topic is about. Mm-hmm. I was looking at the ethical dilemmas uh, that municipalities may face in time to regulate or manage uh, the exploding uh, platform-based uh, accommodation sector. Simply platform-based, is that Airbnb? Airbnb, uh, your apartment hotel, anything that is now being booked online. Okay. Because even you know that even hotels are now, uh, you know, there's a story called if you can't beat them, join them. So even your BNBs are all, uh, you know, on the platform. Yes. Um, and uh, so, so they're really taking advantage of the Airbnb platform, the coat, couch surfing, and all the international ones that you all know. So I was looking, what are the ethical dilemmas that local government is trying? Because they're literally racing against time. They're like lagging behind. Technology is way ahead of it. And, and again, it's not unique to South Africa. Most governments across the world are lagging behind technology. This is why you see what the EU has done. They've been chasing after Facebook or chasing after Twitter, chasing whatever because the nature of entrepreneurs uh, is look at one of the gaps and be able to get in there and make maximize before regulation catches up. So I was looking at us in South Africa. What are these things uh, that these platform-based companies are presenting in South Africa and therefore how is local government managing them to manage them? Mm. And it, it, it's actually shocking. Uh, you know, the discoveries that I had. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to indicate uh, which cities yeah. I, I, I profiled because it was a case study of two cities, the major cities in our country, speaking to local government at the highest level uh, to, for them to tell me, tell me about this uh, platform-based guys. Uh, what do you know about them? And uh, without fail, everybody says Airbnb. I'm, I'm like, yeah, Airbnb, but do you know there's others? No. Because Airbnb has got its own regulations, and mm-hmm. then there's others, then there's others. If you have to know all of them so that you are then able to sit around the table, understand the model, and be able to see how do you assist them to get into business, which is good for your economy, but at the same time, make sure you don't displace the existing partners, because you need everybody to move together in harmony. Mm. We are running out of time. In fact, we're over time, but we're okay. last question. Um, considering your experience, uh, you said you were involved in a business rescue for a, 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 a hotel or two. Your experience at uh, Tourism Business Council when uh, uh, you were the host effectively of the host, uh, HICA, which is the Hotel Investment Conference Africa. Uh, investment in hotel is a hot topic. Uh, is investment in hotels uh, becoming sexy again? Um, you know, there's... Uh, there's a few projects uh, on the cards. Uh, you know, the Club Med is coming to KwaZulu-Natal. Um, you know, besides uh, the, the Radisson in uh, PE that was rescued uh, in a business rescue, also uh, the, the Zimbali, Fairmont Zimbali Resort. But in the session that you dealt with uh, in Nairobi recently, you also uh, spoke to the likes of uh, Casada Investments, is it? Yes, Casada Investments. And, and they uh, purchased a hotel at the VNA waterfront. So you have some really on-the-ground insight into investing in hotels. Can yeah. you share a little bit of what's happening at the moment? Yeah, it is sexy, Soren, but uh, South Africa is regarded as a matured market. So you see pockets of those things of development going on. So the big take-up at the moment is in East Africa. Okay. Uh, this is why the conference was in Kenya. Kenya is still buzzing. Um, Tanzania is buzzing uh, in that way. So Southern Africa, to a certain extent, we're a little bit stagnant as such. Um, but we are benefiting because a lot of these investment guys are based here. Like Casada, they have an office here. Mm. Uh, Westmont, they have an office in, in, in South Africa as well. Um, so so there's pockets here and there. Um, and, and, and I think you know what the big issue is, is money is tight. 
that's what's really constraining the development of hotels. So it was the same sentiment in Nairobi, that especially in South Africa, that we still have the same problem that our financing models here, the financial principles, whether it's syndicated money, it's very, very tight. Whereas Kenya is buzzing ahead because there's money, it's everywhere. Okay. And, and the, the restrictions are much freer in that part of the world. So it's, this is the, the thing that we're struggling with. And I'm hoping that a lot of the people in South Africa can, if not for South Africa, but really the rest of the region. But again, so when it goes back to, we have to get people traveling so that development can take place. Uh, it, these things, they, they all support each other. Majaji, we probably can chat for an hour or two, but that's all the time we have for. Thank you so much for your time. That was Majaji Ramawela, a tourism industry stalwart and expert. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Property Pod with Suren Naidu. To listen to more episodes, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates. Follow Suren on Twitter at Suren Naidu for more of his property industry content and other business stories. The Property Pod. Pod.